after the fact once any of the housekeeping kind of stuff. Um, any questions on calendar or timing of things? Um, we're going to be finishing up lectures at the end of September, right? Yeah, September 28th is going to be our last um, discussion on the lectures, and then we'll head right into the, the new schedule for October. And that one will be a little bit of a getting used to, <laughs> kind of a new schedule, new format and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, I'll keep sending out emails and reminders and the, the text reminders and stuff um, as we do start getting into that in that new phase there. Um, let's see, there's, there's quite a few things that are happening this week. And so I was just going to, uh, put out some links and, and different things. So, um, Megan Farner has been doing, a, an excellent podcast series and she did one with Avraham. So it's, it's a two-parter and the first part is out. Um, but anyway, this one's an excellent one on just kind of a primer on Isaiah decoded. Um, he goes through the levels of the ladder. I mean, it's a very good interview. Um, if you want to send that to somebody that um, is wanting more, but kind of like, how do you explain all that Isaiah is in a, in a short time frame? That's an excellent podcast to share with people. Um, and then as far as what the Institute is doing, um, they've put together these five pages to go along with Come Follow Me each week. And so they have the, um, the different apocalyptic commentaries for those chapters um, all lined out there really handy. And they're going to be putting some very fun new um, things on each of those pages in the, the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for those. Um, some videos, but Anyway, it'll be fun. <laughs> Keep an eye out for those. Um, but on that page there, um, there's quite a few things to kind of take a look at. Um, they're doing um, a giveaway. So if you do sign up for their newsletter, um, you'll get a free copy of the ebook Windows on the Prophecy of Isaiah, which is probably one of the best books from like, I mean, Isaiah Decoded is probably like my favorite, but like Windows is is right up there. Um, it, it's an excellent one, and you can get the the ebook free if you sign up for their newsletter. And it says and the audiobook. Oh yeah, and the audiobook, which is excellent. I didn't even <laughs> see that part. Um, yeah. And then I don't know. It's kind of hidden over here, but if you click on this um, four week class. Let me put this link in the, the chat as well. So you can I just started watching that last night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Rachel and Rachelle are doing a four-week class on Isaiah Made Simple, that little booklet that starts helping you uh, develop skills and, and things in word searches, etc. But anyway, if you want to sign up for those or um, just to watch the recordings after the fact, um, you can enter your name and email and uh, get those sent to you. Uh, I would highly recommend those. Those are super fun. And it looked like um, Avraham did the slides and had the outline and everything for him. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, they're, they're working a lot in conjunction. I believe Avraham is going to be on their final one um, to answer a couple of little questions there at the end. Um, and then where was I seeing? So on the homepage. 
I've got to ask him about this, but um, here on the homepage of this new site, um, bookofmormonisaiah.com, uh, it's announcing that the lecture series is available to watch free until October 9th. Um, Wait, how did you get there? Can you send that link? Uh-huh. Yeah. Let me post that in the chat as well. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I find all of these little updates a little confusing. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to try to suggest that with uh, Rodolfo and the others. But the reason that they're creating a new website called bookofmormonisaiah.com is because they have a lot of um, LDS-specific Book of Mormon kind of content surrounding Isaiah that is really throwing a lot of people off on isaiahinstitute.com. And so they're creating a, a separate site so that one can be specifically that. So if you're not wanting all of the Book of Mormon type information and, and everything, then you can just go to isaiahinstitute.com. Um, but anyway, it, it's a little bit confusing. Um, but this is really handy. So if you're on the homepage, you click on uh, the top questions and answers. And this is a really handy format of um, 70 most searched questions in Google about Isaiah and the Book of Mormon. And so they're organized by um, questions about chapters, questions about definitions, questions about general topics. Um, anyway, I, I had such a fun time going through the majority of these today, um, taking a look at them and, and reading a lot of different uh, questions and answers that are Avraham's taking the time to, to go in and answer. Anyway, so that's kind of like <laughs> a lot of information right off the bat, but um, I, I found it super handy. Uh, all these things that uh, the Isaiah Institute is doing this week, uh, well, for the next month or whatever, on in conjunction with Come Follow Me. Um, let's see, what else did I miss? There's, there's so many things. So Feast of Trumpets is coming up September 26th and 27th. Um, kind of like um, we did with Passover and uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread and stuff. We're going to be um, coming out with some information in the next week sometime um, to kind of help ideas on celebrating the, the feasts and festivals. And so uh, Feast of Trumpets is a huge one that is a precursor for the Day of Atonement in, in Yom Kippur. So um, keep your eyes out for that. I'll be sending out an email and um, getting things lined out there. Um, yeah, let's go there. Okay, so I found like some of the coolest information last night after the Q&A with Avraham, uh, Todd's question on, um, he had this question about like, how could Hezekiah's son turn around and have Isaiah killed, son asunder, right? And uh, it led me down this like path because I was like, I'm pretty sure from some of the Mishnah that um, Hezekiah actually married Isaiah's daughter. And so I was like trying to find the source of that and everything like that. But anyway, I found some of like the coolest information that um, I thought I would share with you guys since you guys <laughs> all heard all my rantings on, on Hezekiah and his importance, right? But um, on this site, I'll, I'll get the link in the, the chat as well. But here in this Mishnah, it talks about 
the whole relationship and um, thing between Hezekiah and Isaiah. And so kind of giving just a very brief synopsis, because you guys can go and read it yourself, but um, uh, in the scriptures, when Hezekiah and Isaiah are kind of fighting, like, no, you come to me, like uh, having this like back and forth kind of a thing. And so Hezekiah gets sick nigh unto death after performing a Davidic covenant, right? And so I, the Lord then tells Isaiah, you have to go minister to him now. <laughs> and so he takes care of the little animosity that they had there. Um, but let me find. Okay, so uh, Isaiah prophesies that um, Hezekiah will die. And Hezekiah says, what is all of this? For what transgression am I being punished? And so Isaiah says, specifically, this is why you are nigh unto death, because you did not marry and engage in procreation. Hezekiah apologized and said, I had no children because I envisioned through divine inspiration that the children that emerge from me will not be virtuous. Hezekiah meant that he had seen that his children were destined to be evil. And so Isaiah said unto him, why do you involve yourself with the secrets of the Holy One? Blessed is he, that which you have been commanded, the mitzvah of procreation, you are required to perform, and that is what is acceptable in the eyes of the Holy One. And so Hezekiah then says to Isaiah, okay, so give me your daughter to wife. Perhaps my merit and your merit will cause virtuous children to emerge from me. And Isaiah said unto him, no, it, it's already been, the decree has already been decreed against you. The judgment cannot be changed. Um, but anyway, Hezekiah points out that no, the scriptures say that under the law of mercy, that even if the sword is upon my neck, repentance can still um, be changed. And so anyway, I found it very interesting why Hezekiah was even sick in the first place and um, pointing to the fact that Manasseh, Hezekiah's son, is actually Isaiah's grandson that turns around and kills him, right? Like, I think that those are all very interesting points in, in fully comprehending the story um, and, and life of the prophet Isaiah. I don't know. That was just such a random tidbit <laughs> to start out our, our discussion on lectures tonight, but I found it so interesting. And so I'll, um, well, it kind of does go in with our lesson though, because to not dare to have children because you know, they're going to be bad kids shows you don't have faith in the whole plan and you don't have faith in God. Mm -hmm. And you don't have faith in Christ if you don't have kids because they're going to be buttheads. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about it. Trust me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But it, so it actually does go with the lesson. Uh-huh. There's a way to tie it into everything. I love it. <laughs> so funny. But anyway, um, so after half an hour of my rantings let's actually go ahead and and get started um we like your rantings <laughs> none of us spend that much time digging into things so we're glad you share it we like when you baby feed us <laughs> <laughs> no um who prayed last time i don't even remember did i 
Mother, did I call on you last time? If not, can you say it tonight? Mute. Okay. <laughs> um, our dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful this evening to be able to meet as a class and and uh, discuss the lecture fifth. Uh, we ask you to please bless us that we'll have the spirit with us this evening to help us uh, discover the truths that are there. And we ask you to uh, please bless us all that we'll feel um, comfortable and, and give our insights that we might have uh, so that we can all share in those. And we're grateful for our friendship with all of this group, and we feel very blessed because of it. And these blessings we pray for in the name of thy son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, all right. So lecture fifth. This is a doozy. <laughs> I tell you, this one was the one that I felt most nervous about. Like, okay, is like to even uh, study lectures on faith with, with everybody, I was like, ooh, but lecture fifth, there's no way around that one. So um, I, I was kind of approaching it with trepidation and uh, stuff, but oh my word, lecture fifth really opened up to me this week in, in lots of new, uh, exciting ways and stuff. So um, I would just like to, to hear from, from y'all as you were reading lecture fifth, what were your feelings and sentiments from um, the, the, the doctrine presented there and um, any insights into why that this would have been decanonized or uh, caused the, the lectures to be decanonized after time. But anyway, what was your guys's experience with, with the lecture this week and, and how has it changed uh, your perspective or how has it changed your life? Well, that one sentence, the father being a personage of spirit, glory, and power, you'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> and why did Joseph write that when he specifically made a big deal about saying he's a, a man with flesh and bones? So mm -hmm. maybe is that why it was decanonized? Yeah. Um, as we'll like, take a look at in a couple of weeks here or whatever, it's like the full... Uh, issue behind the decanonization yeah it, it's squarely um kind of rests on on that shoulder there where in order to avoid fights and <laughs> doctrinal debates in the church they decided to just remove it uh rather than have it be a point of contention amongst the members but it, uh, and, and then it was an interesting description of the son who was in the bosom of the father a personage of tabernacle made or fashioned like unto man or being in the form and likeness of man or rather man was formed after his likeness and in his image it just and it is he is also the express image and likeness of the personage of the father oh my gosh it just keeps going on that's like a super long sentence with lots of semicolons <laughs> connecting <Isn't it>? together <laughs> but it was just interesting because i what a long way to say that his spirit looks like his human form. Mm -hmm. It was super wordy and it was like, what? Yeah. And the word tabernacle kind of threw me. 
It was, it was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But what I loved was still in that same sentence um, that he was ordained from before the foundation of the world to be a propitiation. How do you say that? Propitiation. Yeah, for all this, for all those who should believe on his name and is called the son because of the flesh and descended in suffering below that which man can suffer or in other words, suffered greater sufferings and was exposed to more powerful contradictions than any man can be. But then it was super interesting. Okay, but notwithstanding all this, he kept the law of God and remained without sin, showing thereby that it is in the power of man to keep the law and remain also without sin. That was super, like that about Christ just makes you, at least it made me so grateful and understand more of the atonement and the suffering that he went through but Mm -hmm. then saying that it shows that it's in our power to live without to keep the law and remain also without sin because that's nothing that i've ever been taught before i've always been taught that christ could do it because he was half half mortal and immortal Mm -hmm. yeah and here it's saying that we could do it too yeah, I found that to be super intriguing uh, coming from lectures. And like, I never even noticed it before. Like I, I've read lecture fifth uh, a few times, but like this one was like, wait a minute. I think I understand this on a deeper level, but whoa, what a doctrine right there. Because so, it's very contrary to what we hear. So basically, I mean, obviously we all have committed sin now, but once we know this, and repent then it's saying that we can go on living sinless Mm -hmm. is that it's in the power of man Um, yeah yeah i think understanding isaiah's ladder you'll find that there's a certain level there where that becomes true that we can do that Mm -hmm. yeah that doesn't mean we're perfect um because remember our discussion, I don't remember when it was, transgression, transgression versus sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe we still transgress. Mm-hmm. But living without full right. sin. Right, because transgression is, I don't know how to, it's a lower, like it's not as bad, right? Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, it's not crossing the laws of God. Right. right? right so that's what that's i can see as i'm sitting here thinking about this i can i can feel it and see it in my mind that somebody could get to this place where they're not sinning they're not they're keeping their covenants they're living the commandments and um i mean i just got my recommend renewed the other night and i it, it struck me that the questions they say strive are you striving Mm -hmm. um and that just hit me that that's kind of the point that we're just we are doing our best to keep all those things so somebody that is doing that and and stays the course doesn't fall into that sin those sins Mm -hmm. you know we might transgress we might 
let our ego flare up here and there and let pride kind of creep in here and there, whatever. But I can see how you can live without sin. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I had never really thought about it like that till now. But anyway. Yeah. And so I was taking a look at lecture fifth and, uh, you know, trying to chart things out chiastically and, and the different uh, patterns and things. And it does seem because there's there's kind of a two part structure to it. Um, the first half um, is kind of unpacking um, uh, the father from the son and and pointing out their characteristics. But then the second half um, is clearly delineated and it it starts introducing the spirit and putting all three back in together in the in the godhead but it it really does seem to crescendo or kind of heighten in the the chiastic pattern with that specific um doctrine there showing that it thereby it is in the power of man to keep the law and remain also without sin i just found that super um intriguing um that reminds me didn't in that um podcast that you referenced with um megan oh i forgot her name anyways mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah with Gileadi. um just kind of going off of what darlene said about the latter um he did he did say that yeah that even we can you know not only overcome sin, but those iniquities or transgressions, what do you want to call them? Um, and that, anyways, that would be, what level would that be? <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> would that uh-huh, be yeah. seraphim or would that be sun servant? Do you, what one would that be? Because we start overcoming iniquities on the uh, son servant level, but to be um, completely without sin, um, I think would be in that uh, seraphim level where we're getting ready for for Zion and uh, being perfect and unified and and all of that. But, you know, that's just my opinion from uh, kind of taking a look at the latter, but... uh, it could be either one. I and think it would make, make sense for either. Yeah. And that quote that um, was shared from Bednar, I, I think that is so true. And it's might, well, it's hard for me. I don't know about others to kind of imagine getting to that point where it's all your desire to sin is gone or to, you know, but I, you know, you, you really, you see that pattern so much in the book of Mormon that they just, you know, despise sin and, and, so yeah, I, it makes sense. I, I, you know, I think we have examples in the Book of Mormon that these people reach that, that level of remaining without sin. And mm-hmm. so I love, I love that focus on that right there. Yeah. Um, so taking a look, it's interesting, this parallelism that um, is kind of at the, the center of, of this uh, lecture here. It's trying to define what the law of God really is here. So uh, notwithstanding all this, Christ 
Okay, let me take one step back <laughs> because I, this is a, a part that'll help us uh, understand it. So here in, in this section, uh, right here, it's delineating out the things that Christ did that no one else can do. And then something that um, that is in the power of man, right? So um, it says that he descended in suffering below that which man can suffer. So because he was a God, he could perform that type of suffering. And in other words, he suffered greater sufferings and was exposed to more powerful contradictions than any man can be. But notwithstanding all this, there is this whole section here that is in the power of man, and we can become like the Savior in this way, right? So it says that he kept the law of God. So here we're talking about sufferings and propitiation, but here we're talking about the law, and the law is in the power. And the law of God is to remain without sin, showing that thereby we can also live without sin. And um, so this, this law of God is perfection, and it's pointing to um, when Christ iterated that, that law of God in Matthew 5.48, of be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And, you know, it's repeated a few different times throughout scripture, but um, lecture five, I find it very interesting where it's saying, hey, this is how Christ became a God. And then it turns around and says, now you come and become one in him, even as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, that we're supposed to follow the same pattern and do the same things, and we can receive the same mind, glory, and power upon our ascent up the ladder by degrees until we can actually become gods like they are gods. And anyway, it was just very fascinating to look at the law of God and the law being the law of perfection. And I have never considered that or considered that it was within the power of man to keep it. And it was just kind of blowing my mind um, that, oh, we have a lecture here that is so profound. Like, imagine Joseph Smith receiving the first vision, going through the, the beginnings of the church with all that that entailed. And then he's like, okay, it's time that other people start following the pattern too. And, and learning how to do this. So let's create the, the school of the prophets, uh, school of the elders, and eventually we developed the lectures on faith. And lecture five, as we found out, was mostly attributed to, to Joseph Smith. They think that he wrote lecture two and lecture five, um, whereas Sidney Rigdon or, or others had their hands in, in the, the other ones. But here we have <laughs> one really complex literary masterpiece that is verse two of lecture five and because i mean it's not long like the other lectures or anything it's it's very simplified and it's saying boom here here's the crux of it and um and then at the end of the the catechism there all the questions and answers and it says memorize it like commit it to memory because it's so foundational and I, I just find lecture five so amazing. Like if Joseph Smith was so confident that that 
was a clear explanation on how to part the veil, see God, and receive the blessings. Uh, anyway, it, I just find that so interesting <laughs> based upon the word patterns and, and things that we can find in there. Yeah, Alethea. It just makes me super sad that that was taken out because I feel like that's where so many members of the church put a ceiling on their progression because they just think, yeah, I can't do that now. That, that'll come in the next life. I'll be perfected. And they don't think they can do it now. We don't really read that anywhere else, but be therefore perfect, right? Mm -hmm. And we think, oh, but we can't be perfect like Christ. I don't know. We just limit ourselves. That's the word I was thinking of. We just limit ourselves so much because of that. Mm -hmm. And we limit each other too. Yeah, we, we do a real good job at keeping each other <laughs> humble, right? <laughs> as soon as somebody starts saying something, whoa, 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 pull it down back to reality. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like what you said about a ceiling. I, no, the sky's the limit. The, the scriptures are the pattern. And right it's interesting so cameron mm -hmm. you i like how you phrase that so so essentially you think this lays out what you call a law of perfection is that mm -hmm. what you said yeah and have you seen so that's really powerful i didn't i didn't see it like that or i yeah that didn't hit me but that makes it super powerful um do you i mean aside from like the the scripture you quote around be therefore perfect i mean have you have you seen that show up in in other scripture or other ways yeah um so in the the bible from what i've been kind of searching and and again i haven't done like a super exhaustive search on it this week um after I, I i mainly spent my time in lecture fifth here but um as i was doing a another side study or whatever i was finding lots of scriptures in the book of mormon that also iterate that same principle that i just didn't know were there like once you find something right like you go back to the scripture and you find that it's been there all along. And so um, that is kind of like fueled my new kind of study for, for the next few weeks or whatever of like trying to find some of these things where it's basically anytime that a prophet is talking about the nature of God or how he came to become God or how Christ became Christ uh, that they're, always saying that same principle now here's the pattern of becoming a god and humans can do it too this is why we're here on this earth um but yet it, it's worded in such a way that you can gloss over it if you want to but but it is there um and and many of the prophets are are stating those things so um when i do have more of a a comprehensive list of of scriptures that that i i find or whatever i'll i'll be sharing those but I, I find it so interesting and i think we'll see it as we study um the topical guide because that's what i was studying was a topical guide for advocate 
and realizing that a lot of the advocate verses were pointing to the law of perfection um, and that that Christ is our advocate before the father saying okay they weren't perfect in this thing but because of my perfection we're going to cover them with the law of mercy and now that they know better they're going to be held to that 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 perfection and so the the term advocate is is so meaningful i mean we'll get into that <laughs> on the week that we actually do the the topical guide study but seriously i think we could spend like a whole month just on the word advocate because there's a lot of nuances to the greek translation of it that will just like blow your mind but um again uh, there's a lot of power in the book of mormon prophets talking about that principle i think it's more purely translated uh, whereas a lot of the the new testament stuff uh, kind of gets a little if you like it it creates lots of escape clauses like oh yeah be perfect but you know that's just for gods kind of a thing or prophets or kind of i don't know that was a, a long rambling did that answer your question <laughs> absolutely and i appreciate the rambling it's so awesome and just like alethea was saying it's so sad that we don't this isn't just so understood more right mm -hmm. That was like one of my main things kind of going into the lectures and then week by week I keep asking myself now can I recognize the Lord's hand in taking this away from the church as a whole or decanonizing it right and every week I get a little step closer to to realizing that it was in the Lord's plan to have it something that needed to be sought after um because look at the the worldwide expansion of the church and and everything that uh, gets trodden underfoot of of people who aren't taking the time to to really dive into it right and so like just this last time of like okay i really want to understand the lectures and i'm putting forth the effort the time the sacrifice to understand them and the lord's going okay when you're ready to come to me, I am so ready to come to you. So here I'm going to start unwrapping this magnificent gift and stuff. And so I really do see the wisdom in the decanonization, even though it's kind of interesting. But um, I think that it was in, in the plan all along uh, to have it something that, that he leads his children to when they're ready for it. You're right. Absolutely right. Yeah, Kathy. Um, just from my little point of view, um, I can totally see what you're saying, and I totally agree with you and everybody what you're saying. But then when I really work with people, when I work with them emotionally, or doing foot zoning and working on the heart, so many people have so many um um emotional um issues with themselves they don't like themselves they don't uh, there's so many issues um, a lot of people have a lot of self-esteem don't have a lot of self-love don't have a lot of um compassion for themselves or forgiveness for themselves like i think i 
I completely agree with you, but I don't think most people are even sort of ready to think of perfect or even yeah. begin to feel like they could even sort of touch that because they have so many and it's and it's all Satan. Mm-hmm. It's all Satan telling them, no, oh, you're this or you're that or you're not worth it or you're not. But there's just there people are so wounded and so um I don't know. I just I see it so literal that yeah. I can see why people are where they are. It's it's the it's the natural man and it's Satan attacking them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know what you're saying is true. And it is sad, but it's also it is just like the wake up, just like people are still slumbering, people are still asleep. Mm-hmm. But but I don't even think it's on their radar to see perfection. Like that's why they're like, oh, that's in the next world. Perfect just means your your stripe or what do they what is it they usually say? It's a working, it's a work in progress or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I I can see that because so many we do live with below our privileges. Yes, we do. And so many people aren't even ready to even look at it. Rather, not even put, dip their toe into what that would be like. There's so much self-hate, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's not like any of us think that we're all that. It's humility to say, you know what? I am nothing, but I know with Christ I am. And so that's really what it is. It's that we we believe it's the whole lectures of faith. <laughs> it's <laughs> believing with him we can become that, you know. It's 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 completely life-changing to be able to just say I it, and it really is a lot of times people that have so much self-hate is really pride. Because they don't want to turn it to God. They don't want to turn it. They would rather have self-loathing then turn it to Christ. And that doesn't really make sense, does it? Yeah. I mean, it's (laughs) those that call good evil and evil good and stuff. I mean, it's the very um, thing that Satan's attacking the the most of like, I don't know. It it just doesn't even make sense when you look at it, trying to. um, Trying to make sense of it, right? Yeah. But yet that's what, ends up happening a lot of but the time. here you have this recipe of what you can be if you want to do it but you got to first get out of the self-hate to want to like you know or or accept i mean they accept christ but they don't you know it's like believing christ it's like the action of it which is mm-hmm. a lot of this book is also about action it's not just faith it's act taking action in it so i think that's actually you know like no, just literally it's it is so sad but it's also so visual to me like the whole thing it yeah anyway i'll be quiet no you're good <laughs> i love it um i think that that's what really resonates with me when we take a look at isaiah and this ladder that there are are like subsets of God's law on each level. He doesn't expect perfection from those on the Jacob Israel level. They're trying to work on their thing. And then uh, the Zion Jerusalem, they're accepting more of the law, but yet they're not ready for, for the higher ones quite yet. But as we do ascend, 
if we want to, it's all based on agency, but if we can get rid of that, that self-hate and, and start working on, on those issues, then, then he does start presenting um, the idea of the law of perfection and, and how that might be possible and, and how we can uh, work it heading in that direction. And then um, on, on some level of the ladder, whether it's sun servant, uh, seraphim, kind of seems more on the seraphim uh the more i i think about it but that at some point then there is that law and it's and it's uh uh not a requirement yeah i, I guess a requirement but i mean it's it's the law of that level and be therefore perfect um so that we can be one so that god the father christ holy spirit and then we can become one with them in bringing about their their purpose which is the uh this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of all man and so as we uh more fully live the law of perfection then we can have greater power to save his children um and bring them back to him but anyway yeah all very interesting um paradigms and, and perspectives as we we take a look at these lectures um let's see what else in the lecture stood out to you um there's just a, a couple things that i would point out as far as literary structures here so to define the first half from the second half um it's basically separated by by this phrase that's highlighted in kind of a pink or whatever um, at the beginning of verse two, it says, there are two personages who constitute the great matchless governing and supreme power over all things by whom all things were created and made that are created and made. And then in the midpoint, when it switches gears, it reiterates the majority of that. Um, it, it introduces it where it says the same mind with the father, which mind is the Holy Spirit. And that these three are one and it says these three so instead of two before it now uh, encompasses three these three constitute the great matchless governing and supreme power over all things by whom all things were created and made that were created and made and so that was kind of a, a distinguishing factor in the two-part structure that, that verse two um, is alluding to and then there's the the main uh, parallelism of, of section one, and then there's the main parallelism of section two. Um, and I, let me, there's one other thing that I would uh, kind of like to, to point out as well. So kind of going back to our um, studies from the previous lectures, lecture third was about the characteristics of God, that which distinguishes a person or thing from another. And that's what the first half of lecture five seems to do. It seems to take, and it says there's two personages in the Godhead, but let's pull them apart and show how they're different. It distinguishes the father from the son. And then the second half starts talking about the attributes as it puts them back together with the Holy Spirit. Um, starts talking about the the attributes and perfections of the, the Godhead and how they really are one and how we 
can also be one. We're commanded to be one with them. Um, so it, it's an interesting foundational series as um, they're putting together the lectures. You have to have lecture three in order to understand part of five. You have to have lecture four in order to understand the other. Like they're very sequential. You can't take the lectures out of order. They have to be in their, um, their proper frame so that you, when you get to lecture five, that you can actually unpack the literary devices that Joseph Smith is pointing out here. I found that so interesting. Um, and again, I, I think that that kind of training just comes strictly from, from Avraham. When you finally learn about the, the bifid or bifid structure uh, that Isaiah has encoded it, it makes me want to like take that and find literary structures everywhere. And we found a lot of those in President Nelson's words um, and, and here in lecture fifth. Um, it, it's very interesting to me how we're still encoding revelation for for the masses right i mean those that want to see one thing can see one thing if you want to see more you have to take some some effort and and pull it apart look at at the the literary message that's contained therein oh yeah i'll leave you sorry i didn't see your hand no i just raised it and i didn't want to interrupt you um can you just imagine how powerful this would be learning this at the feet of the prophet right <laughs> yeah, like him and then i mean we kind of have it here but the power that comes in a group like that learning it all together and the light bulb going on and yet these were leaders so they could go out and live it and teach it where i feel like i don't have as much influence in that respect what you're not going out on seven missions <laughs> doing all that kind of stuff <laughs> but do you know what i mean i'm just like i cannot imagine like this the power in that room no wonder oliver was an Al, oliver cowdery with joseph when he could see the vision with joseph and see the savior and do you see that yes i see that and what do you see now and no wonder those, th and that was just one experience they had. No wonder yeah. they had these powerful spiritual experiences in that room. Yeah. What would it be like to learn faith from Joseph Smith and learn how to have this common in your life, right? <laughs> That's just amazing. And not only that, but he learned how to access the Lord so quickly you know, all the time yeah. to where he was like one mind and one heart with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you want to get that way. And sometimes you think you are, at least me. And other times it's, I don't know. It's like, what, what? I can't hear you. I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yep that's another thing we we do well in uh -huh. <laughs> in today's age or or in the church or whatever if yeah. you don't, don't like something uh, just put it on a back burner or whatever and deal with it in the next life <laughs> yep yeah um Mimi. i was really interested oh sorry go ahead Mimi. i didn't see that oh, you're good no really go ahead kathy 
Um, I on page sixty three where it says, "What is the sun?" First, he is a personage of tabernacle. I wrote next to it, a sanctuary, a house of worship, but I also found that it was a verb to pl uh, to place or dwell. And then I was thinking, I mean, is when they're talking about tabernacle, is are they talking about a sanctuary, a house of worship? He is a personage of tabernacle. What is that really like? What does that really entail? Like, did anybody get any insight in that? That's very interesting. And you know, like how uh, lots of religions, even in our own, right? That um, that there's the body of Christ, and um, that we enter into His body, His tabernacle. That um, as the the bride and the bridegroom, and and all of that kind of metaphor. Um, not that I have like an answer for that, but like, I, I think that you've hit on an important um, part of that puzzle of not only being a tabernacle as we think, oh, just his physical body, right? But right. Uh, looking at it in, in a symbolic fashion. And, it, and it says it so many times. It doesn't just yeah. say it one time. It keeps saying, so I was like, it, it kept puzzling me. Like, what is this really trying to say? I don't think it's just saying this. He's a person with a body. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what it's saying. I think it's a lot more than that. Yeah, interesting. I'm uh, looking it up on the Webster's uh, dictionary from back then. Um, so a tent, a temporary habitation. Among the Jews, a movable building, uh, as we know. It's also applied to the temple, a place of worship, a sacred place. Our natural body. Uh, it's also God's grace, presence, or the tokens of it, an orn, uh, ornamented chest placed on Roman Catholic altars as a receptacle of the ciborium and the, the cysis. I've never heard of those before, so that's going to be an interesting study this week. <laughs> but, yeah, and then look at the very bottom one. Oh, uh, yeah, the verb, like you were saying, to dwell to reside for a time, to be housed, as we say, Christ tabernacled in the flesh. Some yeah. of those things you read made me think of the veil at the temple too. Mm, yeah. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, God's gracious presence or the tokens of it. Ornamented chest. Yeah, I, I think you hit on a lot of important uh, principles there i i don't necessarily have the full scope i i need to ponder on that more but interesting the the reiteration of tabernacle throughout the lectures there sorry amy you can go ahead i didn't mean to butt in no i think that was that was great um there's just there's so much that i skipped over or didn't you know think about um oh i just had i just had i would like to hear y'all's thoughts around the holy spirit um i think i was kind of after reading through this a few times just i don't know um just trying to make sense of it um you know just when it says possessing the same mind with the father which mind is the holy spirit spirit uh 
the, the sun being filled with the fullness of the mind. Anyways, I'm just, you know, I, I've just grown up always thinking, okay, the Godhead, the Holy Ghost is just this. I'm just realizing I, I don't think I have a clue who the Holy Ghost really is or mm -hmm. um actually well, this, it, that it, it, works. it even oh, go makes you more confused reading this because I always thought the Holy Ghost was a man which is what we're taught but right. then when you read this it doesn't sound like he's a man <laughs> well yeah and okay tell me uh, where you got that because I did a lot of study on this and I've had a thought that came to me about that Kathy um a few weeks ago so why did you think that it wasn't a man i've always thought it was a man but when you listen but when you read this it's the father and the son with the same mind and then the holy spirit it doesn't sound like it it doesn't sound like it's a man to me i don't know maybe i read it wrong interesting I'm with you, Amy. I did a lot of, I like, I read a lot of scriptures about the Holy Ghost. I read the topical, not the topical, the Bible dictionary. I was like, I want to know more about the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So what did you get? <laughs> <laughs> not what I was looking for. However, along your lines, Kathy, the only place that it refers to him, to the Holy Spirit in a male pronoun is in the Bible, which made me in the new Testament, which made me wish that I could read Greek and go look at it. Mm -hmm. What was I, I'm forgetting. Um, what's the in the lecture? Was it where, or am I just making this up in my head? Just something about the, the, that essentially this, you know, the, the, I guess the, the well, oh, what am I trying to say? The understanding, I guess, of the Holy Spirit might be something that is just one of, is kind of a mystery yet to be revealed or something. Does that ring a yeah. bell to anybody? Mm -hmm. Where did I read that? It wasn't in any of my reading this week or anything, but uh, I, I've heard that before somewhere. Okay. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'm just hearing or remembering some past, yeah, quote. But anyways, I was just left thinking like, so really who, who is this? Or I was even, anyways, just the way he, it, she whatever is described and <laughs> just yeah leaves me wondering like it didn't sound like this just this ghost this person or something, is just waiting for a body like you know i've just heard so many times <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so a couple of things to kind of point out with that as far as the the literary patterns here so it says and, and, you know, this is one of the things that we brought up uh, earlier, right? The father being a personage of spirit. So why doesn't, I mean, it, it makes a huge point of the son being a personage of tabernacle, right? But yet the father being a personage of spirit. And here we have 
that um, possessing the same mind with the Father, which mind is the Holy Spirit. So he's a personage of spirit, but the mind which he possesses is the Holy Spirit. And so the Father and Son possessing the same mind, same wisdom, etc. The Son being filled with the fullness of the mind, glory, power, or in other words, the Spirit, glory, power, possessing all knowledge, glory, and the same kingdom. Like, I think that it's interesting how, how Joseph is describing the Father, and we're not talking about a perfect tabernacle or um, things along those lines, but it, it brings up the that he is a personage of spirit. And then the whole second half of the lecture is dealing with that spirit and that that same mind, which mind is the Holy Spirit. But yeah, so I'm I'm left with more conundrum than than anything. But uh, at the same time, it's like we know from the lectures that we can't approach God until we have three things, right? That um, an idea that there is a God to approach. The second, a correct idea of his character, perfections, and attributes, which we're learning here, like as far as I'm concerned, that I had a lot of traditions and not good solid foundation. And a lot of those things needed to be unpacked and, and reworked through. And I'm still not done on that process. And then the third thing is a what is it? Uh, correct knowledge that the, the course of life which you're pursuing is according to his will. So those three things are crucial. And if any one of them is amiss, we're not going to be having the kind of faith in order to rend the veil and um, receive of the fullness, the same mind as, um, like it says, the father and the son. But anyway, isn't that just so interesting how I mean, you could be raised in the church your whole life, and then, like, I'm having some conundrums here that about something so basic as the Godhead. But I think once we wrap our own individual minds around it, that we can receive answers as we ask, seek, and knock, right, in in appropriate places and in prayer, that it, it can be revealed. And uh, that's exactly what Joseph was trying to do with uh, the members of the School of the Prophets. Hey, let's take all of these different Methodists and Adventists and all these different converts that are coming to the church. Let's unpack everything and then repackage it properly so that we can all receive the same blessings kind of a thing. Anyway, I don't know. I, again, I'm just rambling, but <laughs> go, so, ahead. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. I can't tell who's talking. So I just have one question. If he is a man, why doesn't it say that? It does not say he's a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it doesn't say it. It says, um, well, in the middle of the I don't know what page you guys have on page 60. It's like um, possessing the same mind with the father, which mind is the Holy Spirit that bears record of the father and the son. And these are three are one, or in other words, these three constitute the great matchless governing and su supreme power of all things. But it still never says he's a man. 
So could he be a woman? It never said it anywhere. I read the Doctrine and Covenant scriptures, the Book of Mormon. It also never refers to it as a man. Only the Bible references referred to it as a man. Mm-hmm. But the Bible is the Bible hasn't always had the correct translation. Correct. That's why I said I wished I could read Greek and go back and read it. And when yeah. we do go to the Greek, it has the dual pronouns with it, right? Where well, Elohim is a plurality and, and it has male and female aspects to it. Right. Well, and not only that, but originally the Greek would have been translated from Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So I'd like to go back to the Hebrew and see what it says, but you're right. It is a, it is a plurality. I felt like I had more clarity before I read the chapter. <laughs> 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 to be really honest with you, <laughs> but I'm okay um, with it. I'm okay with not knowing. I would like to know, but I'm, I still have really good faith without knowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I just like, just, yeah, going along with this, um, when it says that there are two personages, you know, the father and the son does help me out personage. Is that, is that referring to like someone who has a body or is that, could that just be a spirit? Cause that, that at first kind of tripped me up at the beginning. I'm like, wait, only two personages is the Holy ghost, not a personage. So mm-hmm. Anyways, um, does personage, you know, like, does that refer to, you know, having a body? Yeah, let's look. Um, You know, in the Book of Mormon, um, Nephi has an interview with the Holy Ghost. And it's it's in the form of a man. But, you know, that could be not say in male necessarily but that in the form of like mankind you know like mm-hmm. form of man but anyway it does we do have that in the book of mormon where he says it took it was in the form of a man mm-hmm. yeah so as far as uh the dictionaries uh describing it the the first one is exterior appearance um, so that would kind of uh, lead me to to believe somewhat of the personage being like uh, something that can be seen uh, a body, right? With natural eyes versus spiritual eyes. But I, I could be all wet there. But um, character assumed and character represented also being um, definitions of personage. That's a very interesting question. Yeah, Roxanne. Um. I just keep thinking about the scene uh, when Christ was baptized, the primary song, God was there in Christ and, and the Holy Ghost descended as a dove. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Isn't that what the scene is? So maybe, uh, I mean, the Holy Ghost can be whatever form is needed at the time um or that's gonna fit the situation or i don't know i'm just um kind of throwing my 
thoughts in the ring a little bit about this. I, I just, it, it, it kind of goes against all of like the proclamation that talks about male and female before you were born. We were all male or female, you know, when we were created and that's what we will always be. Like the Holy Ghost doesn't have a necessarily, a, I don't know. I just keep thinking about that scene when mm -hmm. the Holy Ghost was a dove. Um, well, I think it just came in like an image, like for people to perceive it, but it, I don't know. Because no, it's kind of, as a dove. As so a dove. Was it a dove or did it like float down like a dove does? But look at that, what yeah. that, what that a dove represents. So look at the definitions of a dove, like what, what it represents. Let I me think, show, let me read. Because, I think it's more imagery than anything else. But listen to this. Doves are a family of birds related to, in some degree, including, anyway, doves are, represent family. They are also nurturing family of birds. They are, they represent family. That's interesting, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was something recently somebody said to me too that there's something very specific about doves that no other category of birds have, but I can't remember what the thing is. <laughs> but it was very interesting as it related to Holy Ghost. <laughs> Come on, pull it out of your brain. <laughs> we okay, need to go right now. <laughs> Let me just throw something kind of interesting out there. The Holy Ghost descended as a dove and a voice was heard that said, this is my beloved son. Who so that said that? God, that was, that, I think that's God. I think that's so. It doesn't say three... that it's God. It doesn't say that it's God. It doesn't say it was a male voice. I'm what does the voice saying. say? What does the voice say? This is my beloved son. Beloved son, hear him. No, no, no. Not when he Not was baptized. No, this is, this my, is beloved my beloved son. son. Well, I guess I, I think we can uh, kind of based on what we know about how Christ, how like he appeared to Joseph Smith said, this is my beloved son. And he says that a lot. So, right. Heavenly father was there and said that mm -hmm. to joseph mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm just saying sometimes there's two parents i don't know <laughs> well i i personally feel like the pillar of light above joseph smith was heavenly mother mm -hmm. right yeah, yeah I can and he was For in a sure. grove of trees which represents yes heavenly which represents yes yeah so she was definitely there yeah I would have to agree. Yeah. So was she there when he was baptized? I would think so. There was probably light shining on him. It was probably. But she doesn't ever, you know, hear her voice or see her. Well, that's Just... true. But that may have been scrubbed, too. A lot of times that women were in the Bible were taken out. I don't know. Yeah, they just get to be known as a woman in adultery. 
<laughs> yeah. No other details. <laughs> no other details. <laughs> There's a few that are named, but many, many who are not. <laughs> Just a woman at the well. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. Kathy. I have corpses. <laughs> Kathy. <laughs> yeah. Um. L. I'm trying to send you that picture. <laughs> oh, There's gotcha. this picture that I've um, seen for a long time and I finally found it again. It kind of explains the mind of Christ, um, the mind of the Father and the mind of the Christ. And what, how I perceive it is the spirit, we get gifts of the spirit that help us to be patient, kind, loving, merciful. And that's what changes our heart and mind when we become born of the spirit. And that's what I think Christ and God share is that spirit. They're all one in spirit. Mm -hmm. And we strive to have that. And that's how we can be unified through the spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm going to try to send you that picture so you can share it. Uh -huh. um, so I was trying to figure out how to share it. And I was like, okay. No, that's one thing about Zoom that I'm not a fan of. Like, I wish you could just like in the chat, like share an image or, or something, I you know? Can't. Yes. So I'm trying to send it on Messenger here. Now, if I can find where I was on Messenger, I had to search for you. Mm -hmm. See if I can find it. I got too many apps. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Good. Now, it's okay. More photos. I don't like how this... There it is. Oh, it's going to send a bunch of photos. Somehow I got <coughs> such a bunch of photos. So I don't know what the other photos are that are checked. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get up. Let's see. Okay. This is interesting. So yeah. I looked up the, the, the meaning, Jewish meaning of dove. I'm on jewishencyclopedia.com. The gentleness and grace of the dove make it a favorite simile for female beauty and tenderness. And its faithfulness to its mate is a symbol of conjugal fidelity and devotion. That's okay, kind of there we go. That's pretty cool. Yeah. How do I send it? Hmm. That's Done. super cool, Alethea. Yeah. Oh. Do you have a, are you able to send that link in the chat? Yeah, chance? I can. It's down. It's down a few paragraphs. One, two, three, fourth. It's the beginning of the fourth paragraph. What was the what was the website again? I was just, I just trying to do a search. <laughs> I just sent it in the I just sent it in the chat. Oh, okay. Okay. What did I Thank say? Fourth paragraph down. One, two, three, four. The gentleness and grace of the dove make it a favorite simile for female beauty and tenderness. Wow. And then it gives some Jewish verses to look up i don't know what c-a-n-t what those Canticles. mean this gives us a great thing to pray about and get our own revelation about because mm -hmm. i i think the description i learned about about the holy ghost like being the comforter and being the warner and being like they well, do sound it does sound female to me yeah you said nurturing too like that's and, yeah so I think that's just something we can all pray about right. and get our own confirmation to what that is. 
but it's always bothered me that it's a man and I don't know who it is. Like, why don't, why don't I get to know? I want to know who it is. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it just all, I mean, it's always just, I, and probably most of us feel like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mom really felt like the Holy Ghost is um, feminine, a female. I had never she thought about it. She worked in the temple before. and, yeah. She until, worked in the temple recently. for a long time and she really, she said to me one day, I was praying about this in the temple and I really feel like I got the, anyway, that's, that's what my mom felt like, but well, interesting, I, I, right? I will. Yeah, thanks for sharing. A Godhead, would the Godhead be a father, mother, and son? Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying I'm just wondering. Yeah, I don't know. Hey, Cameron, I bet you didn't talk about this in any of your other groups. Are you freaking out a little bit? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> the girls are going on false doctors here. Did you notice he stopped recording? <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, no, you're no, still I'm just kidding. No, I was, I was just kidding. No. Cameron, how dare you? <laughs> That's like my biggest fear is accidentally stopping the recording. Or keeping it going. Well, sometimes I wish you would. But yeah. Um, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, like, would yeah. it make sense that a Godhead would be a family? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think they're all very valid questions and stuff. And so, like, so like look at the the testimonies that we have from the the school of the prophets right they were able to receive them in 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 great measure but like why is the holy ghost never mentioned in any of the testimonies right i mean they they saw the father they saw the son but we're, we're never mentioning the other one and is it again because of the the sacred nature of it that we're not putting that out for the world to to criticize and uh, you know kind of pick apart kind of a thing? Maybe they they were seeing uh, Heavenly Mother at the same time, and uh, who knows? There, there's a lot of interesting thoughts and, and things there, but um, like like we've said. Uh, I think it was Kathy, right? Like now it's okay. We've got lots of good questions to, to go to Heavenly Father about. <laughs> Let's start asking, mm -hmm. you know, it's very, very interesting. Can you um, put the first um, two back up there that you got all marked up? Uh, yeah. So let me, here's the the picture that, that Elle was sharing about um, the, the same mind. So as we are incorporating uh, Christ's mind into us that we can receive of those, those same characteristics and stuff. I'm seeing a lot on there that are in the topical guide study of, of Christ. That's very interesting. But yeah, I love that. Um, that graphic, it helps kind of bring that forward. Yeah, I agree that pride is the number, it's the biggest. Yeah. It is. That's lately I've just overcome like that. Pride is the foundation of almost all the eels that people. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a cool picture, Elle. All, all right. right. Okay, let's see. You go 
upload, let's see, where do I want? Darling, we want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> yeah, I just I scrolled down a little. Okay, right there. It's real quiet say. when we start debating. <laughs> now, you all are crazy. <laughs> it, makes, it makes me nervous, and I'm not going to say it out loud. I just want you to notice a couple of words here. Okay. 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 So down on the line where it says, and the father and the son possessing the same mind, the same wisdom, glory, power, and fullness. Anyway, I just wanted to look at that wisdom there. Right. Yeah. Gonna I'm not going to say any more about that. Because well, like maybe, looking at maybe. all of the other instances, it talks about mind glory power like the three right there's three different things but in this one it inserts that wisdom which is unique from all of the rest of the the sentences or whatever you want to call them so maybe we should capitalize the w mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know anyway <laughs> and then the other part it's up further towards um okay right there the son who was in the bosom of the father, which is very interesting that it says in the bosom. Right. And I'm going to, that's all I'm going to say. But um, it made me wonder as well on those two words there. Yeah. So an interesting word study or whatever, if you go into the Hebrews, um, not Hebrews as in New Testament, but into the language of Hebrew. Um, if you take in the bosom and how that's used in scripture and contrast it with the the word for um, the rib where woman is created out of man, um, it, very similar word ties. So the son is also being created not out of the mind of the father or out of the feet of the father, but out of the bosom, also kind of being associated with the side. Um, rib and bosom uh, in Hebrew are, are very similar connotation. Wow. That's interesting. That's so interesting. I also think of nurturing when I see yeah. that word too, nurturing. Yeah. I'm just saying, I think Heavenly Mother is more involved in our lives than we ever imagined. Won't that be interesting once we finally get to part the veil and just like yeah. see things, like under, be able to understand the wisdom that's been, been there all along kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, very interesting. Anyway, Lecture Fifth has been one of my favorite scriptures of all time like holy cow there's so many amazing things contained in such short little uh verse right <laughs> verse two is like the longest verse but um i asked uh, quite a few people before we uh, started the lectures like are you ready to do the the memorization homework of the lectures oh no i can't memorize i'm too old da, 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 da. that's me <laughs> <laughs> but I did. Not, it's not just you there there was a few that I asked or whatever but um anyway of all the ones to memorize this one's like has been my favorite to to do so 
uh, yeah, there's there's lots of lecture third and fourth that that are fun, but but anyway, if you're going to memorize one thing, I, I would just throw out uh, lecture five verse two. I think that it's a a powerful one. Even I'm if it's awfully bit. quiet tonight. Do you guys think we're crazy? <laughs> yeah, Stephen's at the fair going, what the heck? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting changing the subject. Um, the opera home last night uh, talked about uh, DNC 88133, which oh, is my goodness. the salutation of the that's yes, and what dead. did he say about it? Wait, what is the what does that say? DNC what? 88123? No. 133. So uh, as soon as he started saying it, he's like, oh, what verse is it? I can't remember. And I'm like, 133. I'm like <laughs> screaming at my computer. <laughs> but anyway, um, because people were talking about the sun servant level and what covenants are required there you know like the davidic covenant and, and different things and then he points out this one and he's like school the prophets if you want to understand the sun servant covenant here it is dnc 88 133 and <laughs> i've been so bad at remembering to say this before each class because i really wanted to do that but maybe it just wasn't in the cards but anyway uh with with having said that art thou a brother or brethren, I salute you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in token or remembrance of the everlasting covenant, in which covenant I receive you to fellowship, in a determination that is fixed, immovable, unchangeable, to be your friend and brother through the grace of God in the bonds of love, to walk in all the commandments of God blameless in thanksgiving forever and ever amen and I, he said quite a bit about it um which was very interesting but he's like that is the covenant of the son servant level when we enter into to covenants with each other all for one and one for all it's kind of like a three musketeers kind of principle but like interesting there's three yeah <laughs> <laughs> that that's the the crux of the law on on that specific level and how important it is to to fully immerse in that and he's like that's what the school of the prophets was intended to do was to unite them in a brotherhood and likewise the relief society is doing it as the relief society is formed then when they get the temple then then they start uh, doing it as couples etc but um to to help bear one another's burdens in an actual covenant more than just kind of yeah we're members of the church and we bear one another's burdens this is the law of consecration and the the higher law that um that we can be entering into kind of a thing and so anyway it was so fun to to have him iterate that because i haven't read that in any of his books or anything um but uh i I'm going to like talk to Rodolfo and see if I can uh, get the zoom from that and just pull out that clip so that uh, I can share that because I, he addressed it so perfectly and I'm just butchering it, but <laughs> DNC 88, 133, 
uh, like I said from the beginning, as we rehearse that over and over again, the salutation that they they entered into every time that they began a session of the School of the Prophets, that's what they rehearsed um, with uplifted hands in, like, what does it say? In token or remembrance of the everlasting covenant and that they are doing a covenant there. Very, very interesting. That just feels like Zion when you say that. It just feels like Zion to me. Like that is the epitome of what Zion, what, what I think about Zion will feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I pose the question to all of you. Does Zion have to wait until the millennium? No. Or do we enter into this right now, right? Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it at the beginning of, uh, of our lectures and stuff, but I, my goal was to, to keep iterating that at the beginning of, of each of our, our sessions, just like the, the School of the Prophets is, so that it becomes a common theme or a common thought that's always kind of in the back of our minds. And kind of as a, a fruition of our journey together and and what we can do more powerfully as as one rather than individuals. Like mm-hmm. like you said, it just feels like Zion, but like mm-hmm. I think that there's power in numbers in good, honest, covenant-keeping members such as yourselves. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to phrase it without being weird on a recording, but um, there's power in those words. And as we rehearse those, I hope you take them to heart. I think that's it right then. That's awesome, Cameron. Yeah. Awesome. And there's nothing more to be said. <laughs> yeah what do i say after that <laughs> amen yeah oh yeah but yeah uh, interesting little um uh from the the dictionary things there on, on bosom and stuff i'm gonna have to study those out i have got a lot of things that i'm sitting here writing down and taking notes on like uh, it's gonna be a busy week <laughs> doing all these like word searches make sure to make sure to share it all with us what you find yeah yep so next week right back here for for lecture sixth i haven't done lecture six for for a while so that one's going to be a interesting new one for me um but anyway it's been so fun uh i loved studying this with y'all i'm glad that i didn't do it like i did group a because i was tempted i was just like gonna take the reins and and (laughs) go full teacher mode again but um this was such a, a fun study going uh, all these different places that I normally wouldn't have went. <laughs> I love that. Well, I Thank hope you, you were okay with it. Thank you. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's all the things that were on my mind, but I was like, I oh, good. Know, some of the groups just are, are very different, right? We all have our different interests and our different backgrounds and, and things like that. Um, some of us like in- are loud, have a loud mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Just did you for myself Alicia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i would recommend sometime going back and watching group a and b i mean 
it was all presented very differently, but uh, very interesting takeaways from, from each of them. But yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, in the meantime, <laughs> share any fun insights that yeah come across in the next weeks but lecture sixth next week we only have three more weeks on these lectures and then we're I'm so excited for the new book i can't wait <laughs> i'm so excited I, I ordered mine and i'm so excited yeah i i tell you what oh this week it was uh saturday going to sunday because uh, I was fasting and uh, anyway, it was just such a revelatory weekend. And um, I was prompted to to dive into uh, Jesus Christ Advocate. And man, it was like this massive download of all of these language intricacies and, and things. It was so fun. And that was just my first one. <laughs> I was like, man, I, I'm so excited for the rest of uh uh, this next year to to really get to know Christ on a very deep and intimate level uh, through studying his characters, perfections, and, and attributes. It's going to be so fun uh, hearing everybody's insights every week and stuff. I'm so excited. I am too. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank yeah. you, Cameron. Yeah, thank, thank you. you all. Thank you. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.